What's up, Porch? How are we doing tonight? Hey, uh, good to see you. My name is Timothy Antique. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Watermark on Sunday mornings as well as right here at the Porch on Tuesday nights. I want to just say a welcome to everyone that is right here in the room in Dallas, Texas. And then I also know that we have people watching all over the nation at various Porch Live locations. Just want to say hello to Porch Live Tulsa, Porch Live Midland, Porch Live uh, Indianapolis tonight. I hope that all is well with you. And then I know that we have people all over the nation and world who are just tuning in by themselves in your apartment, in your condo, wherever you're at tonight. I'm glad that you are watching. Tonight is really a special night. It's an important night uh, because we are going to talk about a really heavy subject. We're going to talk tonight about suicide. And so I just want to start by asking you uh, if you would just slip up your hand if your life has ever been impacted by suicide. So I just want you to take a minute. I want you to look around and I want you to see the various hands raised that suicide has impacted a good majority of the room tonight. That's one of the reasons that I want to step into it. Another reason that I want to step into it is simply because statistics would show that young adults, um, that the, the percentage of people that have thought about suicide, that have contemplated it, or have activated on it is significant. So just to share some stats with you, suicide rates have increased by approximately 36% between 2000 and 2021. In 2021, which is really the most recent statistics, someone died by suicide about every 11 minutes here in the United States. In 2021, an estimated 12.3 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. Just think about that. 12 million people seriously thought about it. Three and a half million people planned a suicide attempt and 1.7 million people attempted suicide. Suicide was the second leading cause of death for people between 20 and 34 here in the United States. So just think about that. People in your age group, the second leading cause of death for young adults is suicide. Psychiatry professor at UCLA, Carl Flesher, says this, while suicide rates are rising among young people, the highest rates are among young adults ages 25 to 34. So if that's you, statistics are rising in your demographic regarding suicide. Now, if we were to just zoom out a minute and not just talk about suicide, but just talk about things that might lead to suicide, whether it's depression or anxiety, in 2021 at least, 43.5% of 18 to 29-year-olds experienced symptoms of depression. And 48.5% of 18 to 29-year-olds screened positive for anxiety. And you might say, well, we were coming out of a pandemic. Yeah, and I would just say that many of us have never adjusted back to normal life. And the past two years have been extremely difficult. And so here's the deal. The reason that I'm talking about suicide is I just, I don't want to assume that everyone's okay. Like the reality is, is, is depression 
is real. Anxiety is real. No one is immune to having suicidal thoughts. No one is immune to having really tough days that lead to tough weeks and even tough months, tough seasons where life just feels unbearable, unbearable. And so the only way out of the pain is the thought of taking your life. I'll just be honest with you. My personality leans towards depression and anxiety. And so I would say that I have had thoughts in my past that I would even classify as thoughts about suicide. So I just tell you that to say that even though I stand on the stage, suicide is not beneath me. And I would say that suicide is not beneath anyone in this room. No one is immune to it. And so you might not be in a place right now where where life feels unbearable, and yet maybe God has you hearing this message not for this day, but for one day. And maybe you never hit that point in your life, but the reason that God has you here is so that you can go and you can be a good friend to someone who is struggling. And then others of you, God has brought you into this place because you have contemplated suicide. You have a plan to take your life even tonight. And God in his kindness has brought you here because he loves you. And so we're going to talk about it. When I think about the topic of suicide, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the fact that, that the Bible doesn't fall silent to the idea of despairing in life to the point of not wanting to live. Like I think about Job. Job is a guy in the Old Testament, which is which is in the first half of your Bible, and Job was having an amazing life, and then everything changed. Several of his family members died. He lost his family business. All of his possessions got destroyed. Job found himself in a very difficult place. He started having significant health issues. And so in the book of Job, in the third chapter, Job actually, he wrote a song. Because you know what songs do? Songs communicate emotion. And so I just want you to hear what he said. Like in the first chunk of verses in Job chapter 3, his point is basically, I wish I had never been born. So just listen to what he says in verses 3 and 4. He says, let the day perish on which I was born. In the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that the day that someone said, look, someone's pregnant. She's going to have a boy. He's like, yeah, I wish that day had never happened. Like, I wish that God had turned the lights out on that day. I wish I'd never been born. And then he goes on. And in the second section of Job chapter 3, his point is being dead is actually better than living. So just listen to his wording. This is someone in the Bible. This is one of God's people articulating these emotions. He says, why did I not die at birth, come out from the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me or why the breasts that I should nurse For then I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept. Then I would have been at rest. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I wish I had been a stillborn child. Like, I wish I had been born and just never taken a breath. 
It would have been better. It would have been better if my mom had never nursed me, nourished me so that I would grow. It would have been better if I had never been born. Being dead is actually better than being alive. And then he finishes up his song by just making the point, I wish I were dead. He says this in verses 20 through 22. Why is light given to him who is in misery? Did you hear that? Why is light? Why is light? Basically, why does the sun still rise on me? Like, why can't I just go to sleep and not wake up? Why is light given to him who is in misery, in life, to the bitter in soul, who long for death? Who long for death, but it comes not. And dig for it more than for hidden treasure who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. This is the Bible. This is one of God's people. And he's saying, I wish I were dead. I seek death like a hidden treasure. It is good for the man who finds the grave. And so I just share that with you to say that That these feelings, these emotions, the Bible allows for these emotions to be a part of the human experience. And so if you're here tonight and you can resonate with anything Job is saying, let me just tell you, you are not alone. Like there are godly people who have gone before you, who have felt what you are feeling right now. And I hope you just saw from the statistics that you're not alone if if you are despairing in life, you're so troubled in your soul that you long for death. And so that's why we're talking about suicide. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page when we're talking about suicide. Uh, One source defines suicide this way. I think it's a good, succinct definition. Suicide is a desperate attempt to escape suffering that has become unbearable. Suicide is a desperate attempt to escape suffering that has become unbearable. So I just want to illustrate it for you this way. I'm going to ask uh, the people at, uh, on the lighting console if you will uh, just hit me with the brights. Like, I just want you, yeah, that, <laughs> just like that. So... <laughs> I just want you to know how miserable this is right now. Like this is a, this is a blinding experience. It is painful. It's, it's unbearable. And so if you're here tonight and you have contemplated suicide, this might be how you feel right now. Life might feel blinding. And the reason that I say that it might feel blinding is, is that you can't, uh, you can't see a path forward that involves you flourishing. Like you can't think of a life that you will actually enjoy or experience peace anymore. And so I just want you to think, if this is how you feel right now, if life feels painful or unbearable, I just want you to think, what is putting you in that place? Like what has is, what is put you there? Maybe uh, maybe you've gone through a breakup and your heart is just deeply broken. Or maybe you've experienced a traumatic 
something traumatic in your life, maybe someone raped you or abused you, and not one, one aspect of it was your fault, and yet you were so violated, so wronged, that it's caused you to not want to live anymore. Maybe you feel like um, you, you need to be perfect. And maybe it is just exhausting, always trying to measure up and always falling short. Or maybe uh, for you, there's such stress and anxiety because you don't feel at home in your own body. And so being a Christian and just wondering what would happen if people know that you are questioning your sexuality, it causes such severe stress and anxiety that it's caused you to maybe not want to live anymore. Or maybe a struggle with alcohol or drugs which started out and at first it was enjoyable and now it's gotten to the place where it is just draining the life out of you. I don't know what it is for you, but when you find yourself in this place where it is painful and unbearable and it's hard to see forward, what happens is that it's easy to begin to believe lies. And there's, there's three lies that when you find yourself in this place, you can begin to believe. The first one is nobody cares. Like the crazy thing is that there is, there's over 2,000 people that are 20 feet from me and I cannot see you. Like I cannot see you. I, I have no clue who is 20 feet from me. And so the reality is you can find yourself in a place where where you just can't see that anyone truly is present and cares. The next lie that you can begin to believe is that suicide will end the pain. Like you find yourself in a place where life is so unbearable. Like you're, you're being blind. Like all I want to do right now is I want to leave the place where I am. Like I want to get to some place where there are not spotlights that are, that are shining so brightly on me. You just want to get out. Suicide will end the pain. And then the third lie that you can believe is that nothing will ever change. Like this is how it will just always be. I want you to know that tonight there is hope. Tonight there is hope. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I want you to know that there is hope. But in order for you to see a path forward, we are going to have to combat the lies that you might be believing. Jesus says in John 8, he says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so my hope tonight is that some of you might experience some freedom from some of the lies that you might have believed. And so we're just going to walk through the three lies that I mentioned. The first one that I want to tackle tonight is the lie that no one cares, nobody really cares. Nobody really cares. So all the way back in 2017, which was a long time ago, a rapper named Logic, he came out with a song that the title of the song was just the phone number for the suicide prevention hotline. In this, this song, it basically chronicles this discussion between a person contemplating suicide and a worker for the suicide prevention hotline. And here's what this guy says. He says, I've been praying for somebody to save me. No one's heroic and my life doesn't even matter. I know it. I know it. I know I'm hurting deep down but can't show it. 
I never had a place to call my own. I never had a home. Nobody's calling my phone. Where have you been? Where are you at? What's on your mind? They say every life is precious, but nobody cares about mine. Nobody cares about mine. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, nobody is thinking about me. Nobody is calling me and checking in just to see how I am doing. Nobody really cares. Several years ago, the Netflix original 13 Reasons Why, which I'm sure many of you saw back in the day, is just a, this account of Hannah Baker giving 13 reasons why she decided to commit suicide. And on her last recording, what does she say? She says, some of you didn't care. Some of you cared, but none of you cared enough. What's the point? Nobody really cares. And maybe that's where you're at tonight. Like, honestly, you find yourself in a moment where you're just saying, I just don't know that anybody really cares. Maybe you're surrounded by people all the time. You go to work and people sit around you or you come to the porch every Tuesday night and you pass by people and you stand up for the meet and greet and you say hello to people, but no one actually steps into your world to ask you how you're doing. No one calls you and checks up on you or truly knows you. And because of that, you feel all alone And you've believed the lie that nobody really cares. Or maybe it's possible that your workplace never went back to normal after the pandemic. And so your work has just decided, hey, we're doing everything remote. And so you find yourself home way more than you want to be during these young adult adult years. And so you've just believed the lie. No one truly cares to the point where you've considered taking your life just to see if someone cares. Like part of you has wondered like, I I wonder if I did take my life, would my parents really, really care? Would my siblings, would friends reach out? Would friends truly value the fact that I was here and now I'm not? Or maybe you've had the thought, like, I wonder who would come to my funeral if I died. And something in you is just curious, like if you took your life, assuming that that was even possible in the afterlife, to see who attends your funeral, Something in you, just, you're just curious. It's the lie that nobody really cares. I need you to know it is a lie. And the reason I can tell you a lie, tell you, I'm not going to tell you a lie, I'm going to tell you it is a lie, is for a couple reasons. Number one, I care. You're like, you don't know me. Well, I don't even need to know your name to know I care deeply about your life. Why do you think we're doing this talk tonight? Like we were planning to end Psalm 23 last week and start a series on prayer tonight. And instead we pushed those two apart and we said, no, we're going to do a talk on suicide. Why? Because I care about your life. Like if, if, it, if it requires me to meet you afterward and drive you to the emergency room and sit with you all night, I will gladly do it if it means you will make the decision to live. Because I care. I care about you. But you need to know it's not just me who cares. God cares. And you're like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to say God cares. You're a pastor. No, I just want you to connect the dots. I want you to connect the dots that you are here tonight. You're thinking about taking your life. 
You were thinking about not coming to the porch tonight. And you're here. And we're talking about the thing that is most pressing in your life right now. That is God speaking in, saying, I see you. I love you. I brought you here to speak to you. I want you to live. I think about this verse that I just came across like a week ago. It's this verse in the Bible I didn't even know existed, which as a pastor, you kind of don't want to admit sometimes. But I ran across it and I was like, that is amazing. And it's kind of like shaken me up over the last week. Here's what it says in Isaiah 57, verse 17. It says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up. This is talking about God. He's the one who is high and lifted up. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Here's what that God, the holy God, the one who inhabits eternity, the one who is high and lifted up, here's what he says. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you hear what that is saying? It is saying that the holy God, the God who sits in the heaven says, yeah, I live in the high and holy place and I live with you who is lowly in spirit. I see you. And he's just saying, I want to move near to you to revive you. I want to breathe new life into you. Now, while I'm talking about God caring about you, like this is just a good moment to take an off-ramp and answer the question. Like if, if you commit suicide, does God automatically send you to hell? Because I think that that's a question that people wonder. Well, I do want to be clear that suicide is not the unforgivable sin. Like scripture is very clear that there's only one unforgivable or unpardonable sin. Matthew chapter 12 verse 31 tells us what it is. It says, therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. We don't have time to unpack what that is talking about, but it is not talking about suicide. Suicide is not the unforgivable sin, but let's be clear, suicide is sin. It is sin. Why is it sin? Because suicide is a form of murder. You're like, no, it isn't. Well, think about what murder is. Murder is the premeditated, thought out, planned out taking of a life. That's suicide. Suicide is the premeditated, thought out, planned out taking of your life. And so because of that, we can confidently say suicide is never God's will for your life. It is never God's will for your life. Can someone commit suicide and still go to heaven? I believe that it is possible for someone to despair so much, for them to be so, so distraught that they make an impulsive decision to take their life and yet God's grace is sufficient to cover over it if they have truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And at the same time, some of you all just heard that and you're like, that's all I need to hear. 
Because you just gave me a pass. I did not give you a pass. Because if you hear what I just said and you're like, okay, good. So now I can go take my life knowing that, you know what, I know it's sin, but God's going to forgive me and it's all going to be okay. Here's what I would just say. Here's what I would caution you. If, if you know that it's a sin and yet you willfully take your life, what it does show is it shows a lack of complete understanding of why Jesus even left heaven and came to earth in the first place. And so let me just tell you what I mean when I say that. Let me just walk you through the reality of Jesus. Like a good place to start is to understand that Jesus himself was tempted to commit suicide. Do you know that? Satan actually took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple and he tempted him to jump off the temple. Jesus himself was tempted to commit suicide. Even on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. Look at what it says about Jesus. In Matthew 26, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This isn't saying that Jesus is suicidal. What it is saying is Jesus has felt what you feel. Felt. He has felt what you feel. Jesus has been overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of of death. And yet, what did Jesus choose? He chose purpose. He chose to live. And then he chose to die. He chose to submit himself to the will of the Father. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. And so, Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he died, and he rose so that we could live. Jesus says in John 10.10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's what that means. It means it means when a life is stolen, that belongs to the enemy. That's the thief at work. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, the reason I left heaven and came to earth is so that you might live. Physically and spiritually. 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 16, verses 19 and 20 say this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. So here's what that's saying. Let me just, the reason I said you might not have a full understanding of, of why Jesus even came Jesus came, he was tempted to take his life. And instead, he experienced sorrow to the point of death, but he submitted himself to the will of the Father. Why? Because he came to die so that we might live. And through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection, do you know what he did? He bought your life in mine at a price. So if you want to know what you're worth, you are worth the body and blood of Jesus Christ, not because you've earned that value, but because God has placed that value on us. He gave that value to his enemies, to sinners. He says, you know what you're worth to me? I am choosing to value you at the body and blood of my son. And so he has purchased you. And because of that, you know what he says? He says, look, you're not your own. He's saying your body actually isn't even yours anymore to do with it what you want, like for you to take your own life, 
And for your soul to separate from your body, that is doing something that God has never intended for you. Like your body is meant now to glorify God. And he did all that. Why? Ephesians 2.10, what does it say? It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see what that's saying? It's saying that Jesus Christ went to the cross. He purchased you. He came that you might live. Why? Because God has a perfect purpose for you. You are actually his workmanship in the Greek. It's the word poema. What does that sound like? It sounds like the word poem. So it means that you are a work of art to God. Like God has done something so significant in your life that he has created you to do good works. Just because you can't see a plan for your life doesn't mean that God can't. Just because you don't want to live doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to live to accomplish good things. So I tell you that just to say, I care. God cares. To believe that no one really cares, it is a flat out, it's a flat out lie. But you might be sitting there saying, you know what, T.A., that's nice, but I don't care if you care. Because I don't know you and you don't know me. And you have to tell me that God cares. But what you really want to know is if your family and friends care. Like if that'll move the needle at all. And so we need to deal with the second line. Here's the second line. Suicide will end the pain. I don't know who said it, but I'm going to say this, and then I need you to listen. Let me explain it. Uh, Someone said suicide doesn't end the pain. It just passes it on to someone else. And I believe that that's true. And yet some of you hear that and you're like, you don't get it. Like to say that, it, it triggers you. If you're thinking about taking your life, that feels so insensitive because when you hear suicide doesn't end the pain, it just passes it on to someone else, what you hear is you don't understand where I am. Like your pain is so unbearable that right now the only way out of that pain is to end your life. And so I just want, I want to just say, I understand. Like I am in no way trying to use this quote to make you feel shame. I'm not trying to shame you into living. That's not the goal. But I do want you to know I have officiated the funerals of two young adults that have taken their lives. And I've, to, I've had to sit with the families, and I have watched their friends gather, and I have watched the deep despair and the pain on the faces of family members. And so it is, it's, it's, good to, uh, it's good for you to hear me say, hey, you are right that I, I do not fully know the extent of your pain. You are right. And at the same time, though, it is important for us to realize that when, if you end your life, it will end your pain, but it doesn't stop there because that pain does get passed on to, to someone else. Several years ago, I was talking about suicide to a group of college students, and um, a, a friend of mine whose son committed suicide, she saw that I was talking about suicide. She reached out and just texted me and said, hey, praying for you, and I called her, and I said, hey, would you write a letter to these group of students, just as a parent, just sharing your heart. And so she wrote a letter, and today I 
texted her. I just said, hey, do I have your permission to share this with the young adults at the porch? And she said, absolutely. So I just want to share this letter from a parent. Here's what she said. She says, I woke up this morning knowing somehow I had been with my son in my dreams, but not being able to grasp exactly what I dreamed or remember exactly what he did or how he sounded. The memory is so close, but I can't quite touch it. And oh, how I want to. I miss him so much every moment, every day. And knowing I will never see him again, this side of heaven is excruciatingly sad for this mom, for all of us. He left such a gaping hole in our family, but fortunately, gratefully, in his faithfulness, God has helped us. Without God, truly, I have no idea how we could have even survived this. Because that day, the day that two police officers came to our door to tell us the devastating news will forever be my worst day. And to be honest, I so wish I could have done more to help my son know how dearly loved he was, remind him one more time how gifted he was, remind him who he was in Christ, name off all of those who loved and respected him in his field of expertise. I wish he could have truly believed how much hope we saw in his future, but he had stopped listening and believing these truths. Taking his own life was his choice. He wanted to be free from his pain. But suicide doesn't eliminate the pain. It shares it with every person who loved you. It transfers it from you to them. In my son's case, I saw several hundred people in pain at his memorial service. I just kept thinking, if only he could see this large room filled with people that loved him, that came from all over the country to honor his life, maybe that would have made a difference. And of course, I will always wonder what else could I have done? Was there something I could have said? If only I could have changed the outcome. Our seasons of grief have changed in the last few years, but some of the effects we've had to deal with are devastation, emptiness, regret, fear of something happening to another loved one, anger at my son for not receiving the love and support offered to him, shame, awkwardness around others, and knowing that every holiday, every family celebration will be incomplete. My sweet grandsons will not get the joy of knowing their crazy, fun-loving, joy-giving uncle. We have to live with the mystery of all the unanswered questions the rest of our lives. Fortunately, God is helping and will continue to help us. I can, in truth, tell you that through all of this, my God has been faithful to us. To one who thinks there is no way out, there is. To one who thinks no one cares, they do. To one who has no hope, see the hope in Jesus. To one who is scared to get help, run to it anyway. The darkness of night never lasts forever. Wait for the light that always comes. I promise that the God who has been faithful to us will also be faithful to you. My son cannot be brought back. That part of my story, unfortunately, can never be rewritten. But yours can You can be saved. You can live. Your family can be spared this trauma, this devastation. Please, please live. That's a letter from a mom written to a group of students that is now passing that on to you. I want you to hear me. I do not share that with you to shame you into living. But it is important for us to realize that the end of your pain is the beginning of other people's pain. And if you were to go and if you were to read, it's interesting, if you were to spend some time reading people's suicide notes that they write to their family members, 
It's interesting that one of the most important messages that they want to convey to their family members is that they love them. And yet you need to know that that message that you want to share with your family that you love them, that deserves a lifetime to communicate. And the worst way to communicate that message is by taking your life. The greatest way you can display your love towards your family and friends is by choosing to live another day. And so maybe the words of Psalm 118, verse 17, can be your words tonight that you would just grab onto. Where the psalmist says this, I will not die but live. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Now, let me just say this. Some of you are contemplating taking your life and you just heard me say suicide doesn't end the pain, it transfers the pain, and you're like, good. Like, that's what you want. Somebody has so hurt you, someone has so wronged you, that the way that you want to get back at them is by taking your life so that they will live in pain. I just want to remind you that to take your life, that is not a DM, that is a final post to your story. And so that message is not just received by that one person, that message goes to the world. And you cannot specify where the pain lands. And so my, I am begging you to choose to live another day. But in order for you to do that, we need to deal with the third lie. And what's the third lie? The third lie is that things won't change. Things won't change. The, the lie is that what you're feeling now will last for forever. And I just need you to know that the pain you're experiencing will not be the pain that you're always experiencing because emotions change. That's what they do. Emotions always change. And so it's just good for us to know suicide is often an impulsive yet permanent and irreversible attempt to deal with unbearable yet temporary pain. Let me just say that one more time. Suicide is often an impulsive yet permanent and irreversible attempt to deal with unbearable yet temporary pain. Now, I want to be clear what I am not trying to do. I am not trying to minimize the pain that you feel. The pain that you feel is real. It is deep. But what I am trying to communicate is that it will not always be that way. It will not always be that way. It is possible for things to change. Things will change. Why? Because Jesus Christ is in the business of change. He's in the business of change. Like I think about what it says in Revelation 21. It says that Jesus Christ is making all things new. This is what he does. He changes things. God changes things. I, I think about the words of David in Psalm 40, which has been meaningful to me at different points in my life. Listen to the words of David. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Do you hear what David's saying? He's saying, look, I know where you've been. I have felt what you've felt. I have felt like I've been in the pit of destruction. I have felt trapped in the mud of life. 
And yet God in his kindness stepped into my life. And what did he do? After I waited for him, he lifted me up. He lifted me out. And what did he do? He put my feet on a rock. He brought stability to my life. And my favorite part of what he says is he says, he put a new song in my mouth. The reason I love that is that music is like the soundtrack to our lives. Music articulates our emotions. And he's saying, God changed my emotions. He changed the song of my life. He can put a new song in your mouth. I don't know what the song of your heart or the song of your mouth is right now. The song of your mouth might be, nobody really cares. And let me just tell you, if that's the song of your mouth right now, you just need to know I care. But way more than that, Jesus cared so much that he left heaven and he came to earth. Why? To die so that you might live. The song of your mouth right now might be suicide will end the pain, but why end the pain by dying when Jesus can heal you and you live? Maybe the song of your mouth is that nothing can change, and yet Jesus is making all things new, and Revelation 21 says that a day is coming that there will be no more tears, no more pain, and no more death. That is who our God is. He is in the business of change. What's it going to take for your emotions to change? Well, I, I promise you where it's going to have to start is with you being willing to be known. You know, it's such a high percentage of people who contemplate taking their lives never share with anyone that they've thought about it. And so where it has to start is just for you to open yourself up to say, hey, I'm not okay, I'm not doing all right. So that might mean coming down front after the service just to say, look, I'm raising my hand to say, I'm not okay. It might mean calling the suicide prevention hotline tonight. It might mean going to the emergency room tonight and you hear those things and you're like, no, thank you. But the first step is for you to be known. It might mean to seek professional help. Because that's where you're at right now. But change is, it is possible. He can put a new song in your mouth. I just want to share another uh, email I got from someone who attempted to take their life. And I just want to share this with you so that you can hear how Jesus came and put a new song in people's mouths. This person wrote, I was 16 when I attempted to take my own life. My parents were finalizing their divorce and it had been at each other's throats for months and much of that anger and bitterness had been projected onto my sisters and I. In addition, my first brush with heartache, heartbreak had just occurred and as a teenager, I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, as cliche as that sounds. I had left home to spend a month in Mississippi working for my uncle doing construction work and land surveying, and before I had left, I began a new relationship with someone else, and three weeks later, about a week before I was set to come home, I learned she had cheated on me with a close friend. I felt betrayed by her, ignored and unloved by my parents, and inconsequential to my uncle. Overwhelmed with, the emotion, with emotion and pain, I picked up the pistol my uncle kept in his truck. I put it to my head. I made up my mind that I wanted to die, and that was the only way to escape my circumstances. I squeezed the trigger three times to no result. Infuriated, I opened the revolver to see what caused the malfunction. I found two empty chambers in a misfired round. 
Through tears and screams, I began to reload the firearm, and as I did, my phone started ringing. My best friend from school was calling me to find out when I'd be home so we could go fishing together. And as I answered, he immediately picked up on the fact something was wrong. He asked, and I told him about my plans. I apologized repeatedly, and he calmed me down and talked me back off the ledge, so to speak. He invited me to come to church with him when I got home. And when I met, the message was about how I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to drive home the message, the scripture explaining how Christ's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses was presented. I was overwhelmed by grace. And I'm so grateful that my almighty father saved my life through my friend that day. Fast forward years, I'm engaged self-sufficient, more optimistic than ever, all because the good Lord decided to intervene. I share that with you because of this. If you're here tonight considering suicide, then consider tonight a phone call from a friend. Consider tonight a phone call from a friend, not from Timothy Atik, not from the porch, not from Watermark Community Church, but from the God of the universe to you tonight saying, you do not have to die. I want you to live. Jesus Christ came. He lived. He died so that you too could, could live. And maybe you're here tonight and You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've heard about taking your life the whole night. I just want you to know the good news of Christianity is that Jesus Christ wants to give you life tonight because the message of the gospel is that we all might be physically alive now, but we are already spiritually dead, separated from God. And yet Jesus Christ has come and he has made a way when there is no way for those who are spiritually dead to be made alive. And so I just tell you that because maybe for you, you're not even contemplating taking your life, but tonight you're going to receive new life and God's going to put a new song in your mouth and it's going to be a song of salvation. And then if you're here tonight and you're contemplating taking your life, would you come and would you allow us to step into your hurt with you and to take a step with you? And if you're here tonight and you're doing great, Let me just encourage you, would you just lift up your eyes and look and and see how all of your friends are doing? If someone is withdrawing, if someone's uh, attitude has changed, if someone just consistently feels down, don't ignore it. Pick up the phone, send them a text, check in just to say, hey, are you doing okay? Have you thought about taking your life? What is going on? Jesus Christ loves you. He is here. He wants to meet with you and he wants to speak into your life tonight. And so I'll just close again with the the words of Psalm 118 that you might take them and grab hold of them tonight. I will not die but live. Would you choose life tonight? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I know that this is a heavy talk. I I know that there's people in the room who have lost loved ones to suicide. And I know that it brings up all types of emotion. The goal of tonight is not to play with people's emotions. It is 
It's simply to speak in and to say, look, we're here. You're here. And there is hope. And so I pray for those in the room who feel hopeless. I pray that tonight they would feel hope. I pray for those who are contemplating taking their life. I pray that tonight they would choose to live another day. I pray for those who have just had a bad day. I pray that they would look to you for their hope and their peace, Lord God. Just pray that you would do a work in this place. Whatever is needed, Lord God, would you come and have your way for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.